This week, I wanted to share with you a presentation that I did for NTC this past week. It is about the imperative to develop data literacy, both in yourself and in your organization. There are a set of slides that go with it, though none of the slides necessarily are critical uh, to understand the gist of the conversation. If you'd like to see the video, please feel free to visit the show notes page at heartsouldata.com, and you can click on this episode, uh, or you can go to the link in this podcast. I can link to the show notes as well. And you can watch the video with this discussion if you'd like to see the images of the slides. Otherwise, please enjoy the audio of this conference, and I hope that you are inspired to develop your data literacy. Hello, and welcome to Heart, Soul, and Data, the podcast where we explore the human side of analytics to amplify the impact of nonprofits and social enterprises. With me, your host, Alexandra Mannerin. Thank you so much for joining me today. I am honored and thrilled to be able to geek out with you about data literacy. I hope by the end of this presentation, you are as convinced as I am about the importance of data literacy, and you feel confident taking steps to improve your team's literacy and your own. I want to start with a story, if you'll humor me, all the way back to World War II. And in World War II, 43 and 44, the Allies had a problem. Too many of their planes were getting shot down by the skilled and ferocious Luftwaffe. They risked losing control of the skies if they couldn't figure out how to keep their pilots safe and their planes in the air. So the military asked a relatively simple question, how do we better protect our planes? And as you do when you have a fairly simple question that may have a complex answer, the officials took that question to the Statistical Research Group, a collection of the brightest mathematicians and statisticians from around the world who had joined the Allied cause. The military wanted to know where they should add armor to their planes, since they couldn't add it all over the whole plane or the planes would get too heavy and have too little range. And they had some data to work with because bombers would come back from their missions and be covered in bullet holes. But these bullet holes weren't random around the plane. They seemed to concentrate in particular spots. In fact, places like the wings, the middle of the fuselage, and the end of the tail flaps seemed to be twice as likely to get hit than other spots. So the military was thinking maybe this is where they should armor the planes. And I guess I would ask you, do you agree? Do you think that's where the armor should go on these planes? Well, fortunately for the Allied cause, there was a Jewish-Hungarian mathematician named Abraham Wald, and he saw this data, and he knew just what to do. You see, he recognized that his data set was not complete because he was only looking at the bombers that had come back from their trips. In other words, the ones that were missing from his data set were the ones who had been shot down. And this was the outcome that they were trying to avoid. So he didn't want to put armor on the places that the returning planes had bullets. He wanted to put armor on the places where the returning planes didn't have as many bullet holes. Because if a plane got shot here, it fell out of the sky and didn't make it back to be part of his data. Why am I telling you this story? Because Wald's brilliant insight had nothing to do with math or algorithms. 
In fact, his insight came directly from his data literacy. It came from him being able to understand the nature of his data and to question the data that had been put in front of him. Anyone, not just a statistician, can and should notice the things that Wall did about this data. Otherwise, we all risk misreading the very information in front of us. If you don't believe me, consider this. Wald was using data he didn't collect himself. He was not using any kind of math, and in fact, there wasn't a formula out there that could have led him to the insight that he had. And he did all of this before there were computers or even digital calculators. In other words, he didn't have to do any of the things that we typically associate with an analytics, data literacy. He had an insight that no one else had because he was data literate. He knew how to read and understand data. I want to show you through this presentation that data literacy isn't what you might think it is, that you truly have an imperative to develop your own and your teammates' data literacy, and that doing so is simpler than you might imagine. So who am I that I get to talk to you about data literacy? By training, I'm actually an epidemiologist. I earned my PhD chasing fruit bats, of all things, across Ghana to see what risk there was of disease spilling over from those bats into the people who lived around them. Through those experiences, as well as many other research projects, like one I did in India on science education, one I did in Kenya on ecological degradation, I had to learn very early on how to ask and creatively answer questions that were really going to matter and make a difference. After all, I had very few resources at my disposal, so I had to focus on the things that were really gonna move the needle, get creative on what I could get out of my data, and ignore the rest that I just didn't have the capacity or resources for. And since then, I've moved on from a scientist working in the field to a scientist working with data. And for the past decade, I have applied my research skills to exploring everything from healthcare claims to income statements. But my passion really lies in leveraging data, plus the power of people to transform the world. And that's why I started my own company, Miraconos, which is a data services and education, an analytic education company devoted to helping nonprofits and social enterprises amplify their impacts through data. So let's get to the point. What do we even mean by data literacy? It seems like a simple question, but there are a lot of definitions out there. So I'm gonna give you my definition. We're gonna start with just the term literacy. I think we can agree on this. Literacy, according to the dictionary, the ability to read or write, or competence and knowledge in a specific area. Here's where we get to data literacy. When we add data in front of that definition, I believe that this means the ability to create, understand, and apply analytics. Data literacy is not about being a numbers person. Data literacy is not just for technical staff. And data literacy is not something that is unattainable for most of us. After all, if we talk about data literacy being a subset of literacy, it is just as important as being able to read and write words. Think about it. Nearly every aspect of modern life would be a struggle if you were illiterate and couldn't read and write. And this is still true for that subset of literacy that we are going to call data literacy. Now you might be thinking, hang on, 
I heard you say in your definition of data literacy that it included creating analytics. And that's definitely not me. I don't create analytics. I can't do regressions, whatever. And yes, I agree with you. There is a component of data literacy that involves being able to create data and analytics. But that's the same thing with regular literacy, right? There are different levels. There is a part of literacy that means, can you read children's books? Can you read chapter books? But then there's also a part of literacy that is, could you write a medical manual? We all can read mouse paint, but we can't all write a medical manual. That doesn't mean that we aren't literate. Same thing with data literacy. Just because we can't necessarily create advanced analytics doesn't mean that we shouldn't be able to read fundamental analytics and engage in an aware way with data as it comes across to us. Just like there are different types of literacy, there are different types of data literacy. Basic reading and writing for data literacy is the ability to find the key data points or information that you need, interpret them correctly, and apply them to your basic decision making. I like to think of people who use foundational data literacy like the confident shopper, right, who can navigate through different price comparisons, discounts, the informed citizen who can hear about policies being presented or about laws that are being passed and use information about, say, what proportion of people that's going to impact, how much it's going to decrease a certain risk, and decide in an informed way whether those policies work for them or they want to vote for them. This also includes nearly every frontline worker. It's hard to actually do a job today and not have to interact with data at a certain level. The next type of data literacy is what I call the user level. This is people who are going to be interacting with much more complex data. They're gonna to have to synthesize data across multiple sources. You'll probably think about more traditional data here. They'll be looking at dashboards, they'll be reading more complex reports. And this is gonna involve people like a nurse practitioner who has to be able to understand, say, a blood test result that comes back or read a screening test and have to digest technical information and be able to translate that into what that means in the real world to make decisions about the best care for a patient. And then finally, we have that creator level of data literacy. And this is a level of data literacy that is restricted to a specific technical group, right? These are your analysts, your data scientists, your report builders. Most of us don't need this, but we rely on people like this to provide a lot of the data that we are going to work with. So why do we really need data literacy? If we're comfortable with this idea of data literacy being the ability to create, understand, and apply analytics, why do we need it? Well, data literacy is just as necessary in your everyday life and professional life as regular literacy. Allow me to illustrate. How many of you have ever experienced the following things? Perhaps you have struggled to decide whether it would be better to buy the Honeycrisp apples for $2.99 a pound or the Red Delicious apples for 99 cents each. Or maybe you buy more than you intended because it says two for $5 instead of just one for $2.50. Did you ever hesitate to drink coffee when you saw that warning from a California judge that it contained a chemical known to the state of California to cause cancer? Did you perhaps question whether it was a good idea to give your child or someone else's child the MMR vaccine? 
And I will tell you, every single one of these decisions that you might have considered was impacted by your level of data literacy. Consider this, you're shopping at the grocery store, price comparisons are about being able to manage some basic math on the fly and compare numbers in different contexts. It's also about understanding how your brain reacts to numbers. Because after all, advertisers love to take advantage of how your brain might trick you with things like anchoring, where you're more likely to consider a certain price if you were shown a higher price before that. Ever seen the strike through and then the new price? That is a trick that you can avoid with data literacy. Understanding the latest cancer risk of coffee or bacon or jelly beans involves the understanding probability, right? How likely is it that this bad thing is going to happen to me? And how the chance of that is impacted by outside factors. It also helps to understand things like what we mean by relative versus absolute risk. After all, a 10 times relative increase in something like cancer can sound really scary. But if we understand that we're going from an absolute risk of one in a million to one in a hundred thousand, a lot less scary. And that is all about data literacy. Finally, the concerns about autism from the MMR vaccine stem from two critical data literacy parts. The first is that data can be weaponized and falsified. People can lie with numbers just like they lie with words. The scientist Wakefield manipulated his studies to show a risk from MMR vaccines that wasn't there. He made it up. But we were inclined to believe him because there is a correlation in the timing of when MMR is given to children and when the signs of autism appear. We as humans default to thinking that the thing we did right before a bad event happened must have caused it in some way. But data literacy can help fight that by clarifying mathematically and scientifically what the difference between correlation and causation is. And it can warn us of the signs of manipulated or falsified data. Those are all the reasons why we need data literacy in our personal lives. But data literacy is also necessary for the questions and decisions we face every day in our nonprofits. For example, how likely is a donor going to respond to a different kind of appeal? And again, we need to understand probability to answer that question. We need to understand the likelihood that the person will actually do the thing. And we need to understand causation, whether the thing I did actually impacted that person's choice or whether it was just chance. We want to understand, right? Did this new program move us closer to our mission, whatever that mission might be? And to do this, you must be able to define an outcome in terms of numbers or something measurable. You need to collect data on that outcome. And you need to be able to compare that data on the program to what would have happened without the program. All of that involves data. Lastly, are we sustainable? You need to be able to collect financial numbers, trend them over time, and predict those numbers into the future. All data and all require literacy to accurately interpret and apply. All right, so I deeply, deeply hope that at least one of those examples, personally or professionally, resonated with you about what data literacy is and why we all need it. That may also be enough to convince you why your organization and your team should invest in increasing data literacy. But if not, here's just a few more reasons why your organization should develop data liter literacy as a professional approach. You can use that training to retain and support your staff. 
You can use data literacy to survive the rise of impact investing. You can use data literacy to steward the data resources you already have, and you can use it to better and more efficiently accomplish your mission. The Great Reset Resignation is actually hitting nonprofits incredibly hard. And with resource limits squeezing salaries, it's hard to increase pay to keep your staff. But if you invest in your staff, it shows them that they matter and it strengthens their ability to do both their job and succeed in their life. And this means that they will be more committed to you and the work that you do. Impact investing is on the rise. It grew over 40% in the last year. And while for the moment it is largely concentrated in private investors investing in private companies, it's spilling over into the nonprofit world. After all, the biggest foundations are now requiring program evaluation, entirely a data process, to show the impact of the money that they're giving you. And being able to actually successfully do evaluation to show donors what happens when they give you a dollar and implement those findings to make your organization more effective requires a level of organizational data literacy. You also have data. Whether you know it or not, it is in your organization and it is valuable. So you need to have a certain level of data literacy across your entire organization so that everyone who collects that data, who touches that data, can treat it responsibly and respectfully. After all, some of that data actually belongs to other people. It belongs to those who generated it. And you are just leasing it for the work that you do. So please make sure that you can responsibly manage that data, leveraging the appropriate amounts of data literacy. And finally, data can really give you a navigational compass. It helps you know if you are on track and heading the directions that you mean. It allows you to accomplish this incredible work of the heart that you do more effectively and more efficiently. I truly believe that finding ways to increase the level of competency with data in your organization is a moral imperative because it is what is going to allow you to, you to honor the investments that your donors are making and that you are making to this work. It means that you will maximize the money and the resources that people get you and give you, and you will be able to make the biggest difference and impact possible. So again, I hope that you are convinced that data literacy is something that you need, that your team needs, and that your organization should invest in. So you might be like, all right, all right, I get it, I am convinced, but how do I do this? Well, I'd like to give you a few tips and tricks that you can use to increase data literacy across your organization. So the first is just to start with a data inventory. You can't use, change, or steward what you don't see. So make your data visible. You don't have to know what to do with it. Just name it and describe it. So what data do you have? Where does it live? Where does it come from? How is it managed and by whom? What kind of people are in your data? Who are the stakeholders of your data or the real owners of your data because they've generated it? Do you have children, students, just donors? You need to understand that before you can make informed decisions about how to steward your data. Who owns your data? Where, who's controlling it? And who has access to it? If you can, as you're going through your data audit and you've taken this data inventory, 
Notice what data sources are systematically collected, meaning they are collected the same way over time. For all of these data sources that are collected and stored in the same way over time, I recommend creating a data dictionary. And this data dictionary can be quite simple. For each data source, it should just describe the name of the data element, right? What is it called in the system that it's stored in? If this is an Excel file, it's the name of the column. If this is, say, Google Forms, it's the name of the field, right? The actual question that's being collected. So put down what it's actually called in the system, what that data element is called. Then you can put down what type of data it is, because this will help someone who's referencing the data source to understand how they can use it. Right? If something is listed as a number, then they know that they can use that for mathematical things versus if something is stored in text, it's going to require some different manipulation to get it to work. Then you want to put, if you know, the source or the calculation of it. Where did this come from? Is it entered by a student in a form? Is it taken down by an admissions officer who's talking to, the, to a patient? Um, is it calculated from other fields or other data elements in other data sources? So you can write down the source or the calculation that generated that particular data element. And then lastly, you can describe it, provide some information, whatever you do happen to know about it. If you want to add information that explains the data element, because maybe the name's not very clear, maybe the name's a code, right? It just says DR352, and that doesn't really help you know it's there. So you can describe it. You can provide the pattern that the data comes in, right? Like the date format. Or you can note here any issues with the field or issues with how you might interpret the field if there is any problem or limitations on how the data are collected. Now, when you're filling these out, feel free to leave parts blank. You're just trying to get a handle on what you currently know. The next thing you can do to increase literacy is socialize data. I heard a great recommendation once to create a data and donuts day, right? Once a week, once a month, buy some donuts and coffee, bring everyone around, sit around the table, and talk data. Maybe people can take turns presenting a piece of data they've come across and might have questions about. Maybe you review a general dashboard that's important for everybody or a report that comes out or some public data that you want to use. The idea is to just get people talking about data, talking about their questions, talking about how they'd like to use data. You can further this by doing more formal lunch and learn. Right? Bring somebody in to present on a topic and to maybe guide a discussion about things. Next, formally set aside time in your key decision-making meetings for data discussions. Make sure it goes on the agenda. Space, discuss data here, present report, have slides you know, with data dashboard. Whatever it is, make sure that it is explicitly set out that this will be when we will talk about data. This makes it more acceptable. This makes sure that you don't run out of room. This makes it that even if it's a little bit uncomfortable, everyone knows it's coming and you can get used to it being there. If you want to really encourage discussions or you want to make sure that certain questions always get asked, you can even create reference cards with recurring analytic questions around key topics. These can be things that are specific to your data, right? Ask what students aren't included in this data set. Or it could be something like, make sure to check how churn has been calculated. Or they can be general things like, um, where did this data come from? 
Make sure that every time you see data, you ask, where did this data come from? Who created this data? What are the conflicts of interest for the people who've generated this if it's coming from outside your organization? Those could be questions that you just have on hand to make sure that you get comfortable and used to asking those kinds of data aware things. The next thing you can do is make sure that you include your data literacy key elements in onboarding for all new staff and in regular training for existing staff. This gives you a chance to share the data manuals and maps that you created during your data audit. It allows you to create a shared vocabulary and understanding around the data that you have in your organization, around the terms and metrics that you use, right? If we say student retention, how are we calculating that? Do we mean September to September retention? Do we mean, did they come back the next year even if they didn't complete it? What do we mean by recurring donor? So by creating that shared vocabulary, everyone will understand what everyone else is talking about in their data space. The regular training will also allow you to update staff as new data develop. And that means that you can avoid the, I didn't know we had that problem that is all too often. Finally, recognize you don't have to do this yourself. You can bring in an outside trainer. Self-education is absolutely possible. There are so many wonderful resources out there, but it takes time and effort. And you have to ask yourself, does your team have extra time and effort on hand to invest in that self-education? Because a coach or a trainer can be a lot more efficient and reduce the frustration in developing these data literacy skills. And this coach or trainer could be a professional, or it could be someone within your organization who has these skills, like say an evaluation professional, where you could carve out part of their job to, to host monthly coaching sessions. Just make sure that you do actually reduce their workload so they have time and space to do this. So I have been deeply honored to be able to present this information to you. I hope that you found it useful. You have been listening to Heart, Soul, and Data. This podcast is brought to you by Moroccanus, an analytics education, consulting, and data services company devoted to helping nonprofits and social enterprises amplify their impacts and thrive through data. You can learn more at moroccanos.com, M-E-R-A-K-I-N-O-S.com.